Greetings and hello, fellow Trekkies. Welcome back to another episode of Yelling About Star Trek. My name is Christian Fox, and this is a show where I yell at you about all things Star Trek for your amusement, so I'm not yelling at my friends and family who don't want to hear my thoughts and theories on this fantastic franchise. Today, I want to explore what could have happened if it was Captain Sisko in the Delta Quadrant and not Captain Janeway. I also want to do something a little bit different today, and instead of doing my usual technobabble, I want to give a spoiler-filled thought on Picard Season 2, Episode 1. So if you haven't seen the episode yet, please do not listen to that section. Go ahead, watch the episode, and then come back. But don't worry, I will give a full warning before I actually jump into that. But before I get into all of that exciting stuff, make sure you get out of your space pajamas, put on your shiniest pair of boots, get a cup of coffee, get a cup of tea, maybe some iced tea if you want to pull the archer maneuver, and brace for impact, because things are about to get nerdy. When trying to answer this question, there's actually a couple assumptions that I want to make. One, I'm going to assume that it's Captain Sisko with his usual crew and not Sisko with the Voyager crew. Two, I'm going to assume that he's going to be in command of the Defiant and not on Voyager. I know there's some timeline issues with that, but let's just assume for this video that the Defiant was ready to go by season two of DS9 and he was stranded that way. So I'm going to make those two assumptions. Now, Let's get in to what would actually happen. The big thing when it comes to Cisco is his attitude towards the Maquis. He does not like the Maquis at all. Janeway was okay with them, didn't really seem to have any opinion one way or the other, but Cisco does not like them and really was just like, get these guys out of here. I'm not a Maquis fan. So when it comes to the actual Maquis crew, I think he would just say, hey guys, I don't like you. Get your butts to your cabins. I'm going to confine you there. I'm not letting you out. Nothing you can say can change my mind. All right? Got it? Good. So he would just probably put them there. And then I think throughout the first season, Kira or O'Brien or even maybe Odo might say, hey, you know, these you know these Maquis crew members could be kind of useful, you know? Why don't we see if we can integrate them into the crew? Hey, they're not all bad people. Remember, they are fighting the Cardassians who are not nice. And Kira especially would say, hey, the Cardassians suck, okay? I'm not a fan. I don't blame them for fighting them. Let's give them a little leeway. Let's see what they can do. And O'Brien might even say, hey, I need a really skilled engineer right now who can help me recalibrate whatever the heck plasma coil, you know, that we usually recalibrate. And they might say, Abelana could be helpful. So I could see them talking to Cisco and maybe nudging him a little bit. And Cisco might say, all right, fine. All right, I get it. Okay. Let's have them do some light duties. But Odo, I'm going to need your best security teams on this. Okay. Stand guard. Don't let them out of your sight. I don't want them to try any funny business. And Odo would go, okay, fine. All right. It's cool. And then I think throughout that first season, we would see them starting to become more integrated and they would start to earn Cisco's trust. And maybe Chakotay or Bellana would start to do one or two things. And he's like, hey, you did a pretty good job there. Let's give you some more leeway. And then by season two, you might have the Maquis more integrated with the regular Starfleet crew, but still not completely. I think Cisco would still be a little bit wary of them. 
and not give them as many duties, but not be as hard on them. And I think Odo wouldn't have to be supervising them as much with his security team by season two. And then by season three, I think you would have a more integrated crew that we see by the end of Voyager season one, or actually even not even by end of season one, by Voyager season one, episode five, because it happens so quickly. So I think that's how the Maquis crew would look in a Captain Cisco defiant situation. The other big difference that I would imagine would happen if it was Cisco and not Chainway is the number of stops and investigations that they make. In Voyager, they stop all the time. They're like, hey, there's something shiny and something weird. Let's go check it out. Let's do scans. Let's get crazy. Let's get sciency. And that, of course, would cause a problem. And then stuff would happen. And they'd have to figure out how to get the heck out of that situation. And they'd also stop for, and they also just make a lot of first contacts with other planets. They're like, hey, there's a populated planet. Let's go investigate. Let's go see what they're up to. Let's go see what, what kind of cake do they like to eat. You know, let's go find that out. And they would do it all the time. Again, by stopping to say, hey, what's going on? What kind of cake are you eating? that would end up getting the crew involved in some conflict that would be problematic, but they would eventually get out of in 45 minutes because the Voyager crew is just that awesome. So I think they'd be making a lot less stops. Going back to the science, Cisco is not a science. He admires science, he respects science, but he's not friends with science. So he's not like, hey, let's go see what that big shiny thing is. Let's go figure out how that might destroy us. He would just say, hey, let's go right past it. Let's not investigate. Let's maybe take a few scans, but we're not here to investigate stuff. Our main mission is to get the heck home and defeat the Dominion. And it might be Dax who would say, oh, but Cisco, I like this. I kind of want to see what this is. And Cisco might go, okay, fine. What's one anomaly going to do? It's not going to kill us or anything. And then they'd investigate and the usual stuff would happen. But I think for the most part, they would just ignore most scientific phenomenon. And with respect to actually interacting with other species, they would do it on a much more limited basis. Cisco would say, let's just avoid most contact, unless, of course, we need to get some supplies. And then he might say, well, we really need some deuterium. Let's stop at this planet and see if they get any deuterium that we can that we can get from them. But really, let's not stop anywhere. And the best way to not interact with other planets is to not be seen. And the Defiant has a cloaking device. And I can guarantee you that Cisco would make full use of his cloaking device and would have it on all the time. And it would just be a default cloaking device on, maximum warp engaged, and bingo, bango, we're off sailing. We're not stopping and chatting with anyone unless we need to. I don't know if the power would be an issue because the cloaking device does require a lot of power. So I think for the most part, Cisco would have the cloaking device on all the time. He would avoid contact with other planets unless necessary and would definitely be avoiding unnecessary sci-fi phenomena. All right, now I want to move into my thoughts on Picard Season 2. And again, I am going to go into full spoilers. So if you haven't seen the episode yet, go watch that, then come back. All right, still here? All right. Well, here it goes. So I have to just say it. I loved the first episode. It hit all the right spots for me. It did everything I wanted. And I am just so excited for the next episode in a way that I haven't felt this excited about a next episode in a long time when it comes to new Trek. Now, if you listen to my very first episode of this podcast, I talked about the lessons that Picard could learn from Cobra Kai. And in that episode, I talked a lot about what I didn't love so much about Picard. 
One of my main gripes with the show was that the iconography wasn't there. Sure, there were some symbols that said, hey, this is Star Trek, but my you know, my main concern with that is that the hero ship was not a Starfleet ship, so it did not have any of the usual Starfleet L cars. And I understood that, but I was kind of hoping that maybe when we actually did get to see some Federation ships, we get to see that iconography. And unfortunately, we didn't. But Picard Season 2, Episode 1 nails that perfectly. You know, we, we really get an in-depth look on what a Starfleet ship looks like in that time. And it looks good. The L cars look good. It feels like Star Trek. It feels like it's more advanced Trek because, of course, like 20 years have passed since Nemesis. But it just looks right. And the buttons sound right. And the uniforms look right. So when you're on the bridge of the ship, it looks like a Star Trek bridge. So that had me blown away. And another big gripe of mine of the show was the sad old man thing. The fact that Captain Picard was just a sad old man who was lonely and just moping around on his vineyard. And what I like to call Vineyard Picard, which is just, as I said, him moping around and being miserable. And I love the fact that in the very first section of the episode, when it cuts back to the events that lead up to the first scene of the episode... We get to see him on his vineyard doing his thing, but he's exchanging glances with Laris, which is great. He's kind of into her. She's kind of into him. And, you know, they have this this really tender moment. Of course, it doesn't go anywhere, and Picard kind of fumbles it. But at least it's hinting at the fact that, hey, he is lonely. He is wanting to maybe move beyond that. He even seeks out Guinan, and I was like, hey, Guyan, what do I do? And Guyan's like, why have you always been so closed off? You've always been afraid to explore that side of you. So it's great that someone like Guyan started to say, hey, you need to sort that out because you deserve some happiness. It's like the writer's way of going, hey, we get it. We understand. Let's try to address this. And of course, I just mentioned that it was Guinan he was talking to. This was Guinan, Guinan from Star Trek TNG. That was incredible. It was so good to see her back. It felt like Guinan. It felt like an older and wiser Guinan because Guinan's, even though even though Guinan's always been wise, but she felt right. And it was just such a beautiful moment to see the two of them together reminiscing and Guinan kind of knowing that, hey, Picard, something's going on with you. I haven't seen you like this ever, even when you were facing off against the Borg. So what's going on? It was great that she was able to read that so easily when talking to Picard. I also love that line that she had where she said that, hey, Alorians, they don't really age that quickly. In fact, they age very slowly, as we know. But she made this comment about how, well, she doesn't want to remind other races that they don't age that quickly. And so she tries to keep up with everyone else's aging, but I guess, I, I, I don't know, like getting surgery or doing something to make her look older. So it was a cute way of addressing the fact that she has aged quite a bit. I don't know why they needed to mention that, just because I would assume that, yes, Guinan looks older than she was previously, but remember, she's something like 800 years old, so of course she's going to be a little bit older. But either way, it was a cool line that was an interesting way of addressing that people age. And then there was the other big person in the episode, 
one Mr. Q, or just Q. He doesn't have a first name or a last name. He's just Q. And it was great to see him back. They did this really cool thing where they used some of that great de-aging tech and made Q look really young for a second. And he was like, oh, Picard, you look really old. And then he snapped his fingers to make himself appear older. So he would, in essence, make Picard feel more comfortable. Like, oh, okay, you're also aging at the same rate. I'm aging. But in reality, it's because, well, John Delancey is human. He's not a Q, so he ages. And they're not going to spend all that money on de-aging tech when you can just have Delancey be Q and not worry about it. So it was a cute way of saying, hey, we get it. Let's make Q older so that he's doing Picard a favor, even though in real life it's because John Delancey's older. So again, really creative solution in addressing that. And then like Guinan, I wonder if it was even necessary to even have that line of dialogue because we as people should know that, well, the actors are going to look older because they're older and we should be able to dismiss that. I don't think it needs to be highlighted in the episode, but based on the comments I've seen in a, about Picard and I've seen about other actors getting older, it seems like, okay, maybe we do need some explanation in the episode so that we don't freak out about it. So that was cool. And Picard and Q just seemed like he was being Q and he felt like Q with a little bit of an edge as they kind of hinted at when they were doing the promotion for the show, but it felt good. Yeah, so I was very happy with it. And of course, one of my favorite things about the episode was seeing the Stargazer. The Stargazer looked good. As I said, it felt like Star Trek and it was iconic and it was just cool to have the Stargazer in an episode of Star Trek and not just the battle where it showed up. It was kind of cool, but felt kind of dinky and old and like, eh, not really that great, but this is a new souped up modernized version of the Stargazer and it looked great. My only complaint, my only complaint in beef with the episode was not the episode itself, but with this age we live in where obviously there's spoilers everywhere. You should really watch out. And if you uh, somehow been able to stay in the dark and haven't seen the episode yet and haven't gotten it ruined for you, and, I, and if you are one of those people, I hope you're not listening to this part of the podcast because you should immediately go and watch it right now, as I said before. So it's very hard to get away from spoilers now. But what's even worse is when, but what's even worse is when the studios themselves start to spoil things. And I know Will Wheaton came out with a scene with the Stargazer and that became like a big thing. Like literally last week, I started seeing all these things about, oh, what did Will Wheaton say about the Stargazer? And then all these breakdowns, oh, the Stargazer is going to appear, the Stargazer is going to appear. And you know, they there was some footage of that. And it was like, Paramount, why did you release that footage? Come on, let me experience that moment for the first time without being spoiled. Because the way they actually shoot it in the episode, it feels like it's a big reveal when there's a comment about Picard's legacy, and then it pans out and we see Stargazer. I was excited, I was smiling, and it was like a get-up-and-cheer moment. But I can only imagine how great that moment would have been had I not heard about the Stargazer or anything about it. And just been like, what? That's the Stargazer? Oh my gosh. So I loved it, but it just annoys me that studios right now feel the need to reveal everything. I was even fantasizing the other day about what would have happened if we didn't know that Guinan was coming back? What if we didn't know that Q was coming back? And all we saw in the trailers were just the evil Federation thing and 
them having to go back in time. I don't know if I would have been as excited for the show, but I still would have watched it because it's Picard. But then to see the Stargazer and then see Guinan and then see Q at the end of the episode, and I really don't know how I would have felt. It would have been just like every big reveal that I'd ever seen in the last like three or four years all coming together in one big moment. And it would have been amazing, but it was not to be so. And the final thing I want to say Again, talking about the ships, I've just talked about the Stargazer, talked about the iconic looks. We get to see a Federation fleet in the episode, okay? And it's not the weird copy and paste fleet that we saw in Picard. No, this was a fleet from Star Trek. There was a Sovereign-class ship. There were some Reliant-class ships. There was an Excelsior, the Excelsior, as a matter of fact. There were Steam Runners. There were... um, uh, I can't think of the name now, but it just felt like, okay, this is Star Trek. This is how the ships look. This is how they're supposed to be. And it was glorious. No, honestly, I had a lot of fun with Picard, episode one, and I am so excited for episode two. Well, what do you think? Do you agree with me on my thoughts about Cisco and the Delta Quadrant, or do you think I'm totally off base? Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Also, let me know what you liked about the episode and what you didn't like, because ultimately, my goal is to make a show that you enjoy listening to. And in the paraphrased words of Captain Kirk, I shall see you out there. That away. <laughs>